Welcome to A Ghost Stories. I'm Gabby. I'm Kim. And we are here for episode two. Um, this is an episode about Spooked in Seattle. Uh, we have experiences to share with you. Tune in each episode for a bit of history on the space and location, starting with our home of Spooked in Seattle this time. Woo, we're very excited. We're very excited. And that's where we are currently. Currently recording from. Yes, these are going to be tales that we have experienced firsthand, people that we talk to that have experienced things firsthand, and it brings us back again and again to share our evidence with you. So today we are talking to the wonderful Ross Allison. Hello, Ross. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. Thank you for joining us today. Anytime, you guys. Um, and we really wanted to kind of give you guys a little bit of background of what Spooked in Seattle is. The last episode we talked a little bit about of um, the history of Seattle. We talked about the Seattle Underground and we are currently sitting in a refrigerator <laughs> in the Seattle Underground. That's normal, right? I mean, it's Wasn't a there place. a rule you're not supposed to go into refrigerators and shut the door? Yeah, actually. Brewster taught me that. <laughs> and I think something in here doesn't want us to shut the door because, no. guys, we were actually sitting in here waiting to record and the door opened a little bit on its mm -hmm. own. So mm -hmm. it already started before we started. So we might really, be in here as we speak. I mean, we might have an EVP and not even know it yet. It, it never know. There's also Terrence, and he's just sitting here alongside us, but he's not a ghost. Thanks, you're right. Not to my knowledge. Um, I'm wondering if it was cold. Oh. oh! I thought this was I was in a box. I am in a box. <laughs> and I was like, you're I'm in a refrigerator box. <laughs> I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> um, but thank you, Terrence Bonzi, for being our producer for today and for other episodes, too. So we wanted to thank him for that. Um, so anywho, we wanted to get this ball rolling and talk a little bit about Spooked. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to fire off questions and talk to Ross and um, share our experiences here. So, hey Ross. Hello. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about how you I'm became... He's in a box too. He's in a box too. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into this box of Spooked in Seattle? I was invited. Yes, you were. <laughs> Well, how do we get uh, Spooked in Seattle? Well, Spooked in Seattle was actually started um, because I uh, had all this research. I had been doing a lot of investigations here in Pioneer Square. Uh, I was the first uh, ghost hunting group in the Northwest, so we had the opportunity to be the first group to investigate a lot of these historic places in the area. And as I was sitting in a lot of this information, I, I wanted to do something with it. And so I had started writing the book, Spooked in Seattle. But then also, too, whenever I travel, I like to do local ghost tours. You know, I love to hear the stories because one of the things is like, oh, I learned about a place I might be able to go investigate. But then I started to find out that as I was hearing a lot of these stories on these ghost tours, and then I'd go home and research the place and think, okay, you know, I'm going to look into this place and investigate it. I'd find out that 
this stuff never happened. Mm. That a lot of these stories were made up. Yeah. Uh, dramatized, you know, just for the, the effect of, it was a ghost tour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where's the proof? <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I was really kind of ticked off about that. I was like, you know, I paid this money to take a ghost tour, hoping to hear real stories, real experiences, and that wasn't the case. So being that I had all this information about all these great places we investigated, even evidence that we collected on, at some of these places, I decided, you know, maybe I'll do a tour and, and, and get that stuff out there because I really felt that this information and this evidence was very important to share. And somebody had taught me a very important lesson that, you know, if you get it published, it's forever. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I felt was so important was that these stories needed to be out there. They needed to be forever. And um, because one of the things I've always said is, you know, we learn so much about history. And you, you learn about that, that child that, you know, died in the room that, you know, now haunts the room. And you never would have known about it if we weren't out there telling their stories. And so we make a lot of these, you know, you know, ghosts, I should say, you know, um, more, I don't know what's the word I'm trying to think. You're looking at me like, like, like all right, we'll, we'll edit that out, all right, yeah, we'll edit that out, all right, sorry. But anyways, um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure that these stories were being told forever and that yeah. evidence was being seen and heard. And so that's basically why I started Spooked in Seattle. And we actually had started our first tours from the Eel Curiosity Shop, which is uh, just on the waterfront out here. And my tour used to be, it was a two hour tour. It'd basically start from the Eel Curiosity Shop and it'd go up to the market and then around the market into you know Belltown and then come back down. It was a very extensive walking tour. It was, it yeah. was. Um, so then uh, what happened was um, I started to learn more and more about Pioneer Square. You know, I knew Pioneer Square was the more historic part, but I didn't have access to a lot of places in, in Pioneer Square uh, to have a complete tour. So I started to work on that and expanded down here into Pioneer Square. And once I got into Pioneer Square, I started to learn about some of the haunted places. And what was interesting is we had actually investigated this location where Spooked in Seattle is right now. It was a restaurant known as Denunzio's. And so I already had some pretty cool, you know, interesting EVPs that we had captured from here. Now at the time, Denunzio's was still operating. And so when we started, when we moved to, um, we actually had our tour start at Merchant's Cafe. Mm -hmm. And we had a little office. And so we would take our tours around through here and of course, um, we were able to take our tour into uh, Denunzio's and go into the underground section. But then unfortunately, of course, Denunzio's closed. And this place sat vacant for two and a half years. And I was, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who to get in contact with, you know, what can I do to try at least, at least be able to get into the underground section. Cause that was a highlight on the tour. It was really cool to be able to take them through that little section there. And after two and a half years, I was finally able to get a hold of somebody and we were able to work out a pretty awesome deal with them to get this space. And that's pretty much where it really started. That's awesome, know? that's so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, this place has got some amazing history. Uh, and that's the whole reason why I wanted the space is because not only were we bringing our tours here and having access to the underground, but we were having experiences. You know, this place had already had, you know, some ghost stories when we investigated when it was a restaurant. Um, there was talk about, you know, a little girl being seen and heard. 
and then of course um, they were having things move around and um, I'm trying to remember we actually captured an EVP here and I, I've been trying to find it again this was probably God over 10 years ago when we investigated this place so um, I have to track that EVP down but there was a pretty interesting EVP of a male voice that was captured in here now again it, it, it went abandoned two and a half years we thought okay this is gonna be a great place you know once they gave me the keys and and it was funny they gave us they gave me the keys I came down here by myself and I'm just you know kind of exploring checking out this place you know looking through all the junk that they left behind and it was just like wow this is you know so cool what am I gonna do with all the space now <laughs> I just wanted it for the underground now I got this whole you know restaurant part as well and so the first thing that really happened was um, we, me and Mark, my business partner, uh, we were actually getting ready to go to Salem. So we're gonna, you know, we're doing this, you know, long trek out to Salem. We we're driving, and so we had just got the keys to this place. So we decided to go out and buy some cleaning supplies, and then we leave them here. And then when we come back, we'll start cleaning up. So we ran out, got all these cleaning supplies, set them out by the front desk, had everything, you know, nice stacked up, and we left came back the next day and all the cleaning supplies were thrown all over the no place. way yeah oh my god that was the first thing that we experienced when we first moved in here and nobody could have access no that to do no that. I was the only person with the key that's crazy yeah we were the last people out of here first ones back how so, long were you gone for just uh, probably you know 10 12 hours oh, that's it oh my yeah gosh. So yeah, we come back and everything is just thrown all over the place. So that was interesting. Well, next thing is, you know, as I was going through a lot of the junk that they had left behind, we started to what we we're gonna, you know, what was gonna be our key pile and what was gonna, you know, go to the dump. And one of the things I found down here, and it was in the back hallway, um, was this little kid's chair. It's a little, you know, wooden chair. And I thought, oh, this is cool. You know, no reason to get rid of this. So definitely a keeper. So I put the chair in the what's now our death museum and I set it by the door that leads into the underground and I, I'm alone you know I, I just I'd come in early again you know just trying to get things going and straightening things up and just, just in awe you know so I had put the chair in the room and I come back out and I started exploring some more going through a bunch of stuff and I found some more stuff I wanted to keep so I go back into the room and I was gonna set it by the chair and I noticed that the chair wasn't where I thought thought I'd put it hmm. but I didn't put too much into it because again I'm running off a lot of that adrenaline you know right. I'm really excited to be here so I just kind of put everything I had in my hands down and I went exploring again and I came back with another handful of stuff and now I know the chair is not where I last saw it hmm. something so, wants your attention yeah yeah so I was like okay this is you know pretty interesting so luckily, I, and I didn't have any ghost hunting equipment. I was, you know, just here to clean up and start getting things going. So I had found a piece of chalk when I was exploring. So I ran and grabbed that piece of chalk. I went back and I was going to do that experiment you know, where you just write, draw circles around the legs. Yeah. So I did that. I drew the circles around the legs and I went exploring again, came back and sure enough, the chair had moved across the room over to where, you know, the uh, coffin is. Yeah. You know, and the um, the morning dress mm -hmm. dresses are. And I was like, 
holy crap, like there's something, you know, really trying to get my attention. Yeah. Now, being that it was a little chair and I knew from our investigations when this was still a restaurant, I figured, you know what, it, it might be that little girl. Right. You know, because it'd be perfect, it's a little kid's chair. So that's when, you know, what we started doing is doing some experiments, you know, day after day when we first moved in, that chair was moving around like crazy. You know, we literally set it up in the in those circles. We leave for the night, come back the next morning, chairs moved across the room. Hmm. Then I got the doll for the little girl. And I, you know, I just wanted her to be happy because I was no, no reason to get rid of her. You know, if yeah. she's happy here, I want her to be here and know she's very welcomed here. So I got her this doll and you know, it's of course, it's you know, just a little doll with a music box inside of it. And I set it in the chair and next day we came back the doll was standing behind the chair leaning up against the wall my god i, yeah, I, I got out pictures of, of this that. you know that's so crazy yeah wow and this was happening constantly for a good i'd say couple months we were, we were experiencing that chair moving constantly and the doll moving quite a bit should anything else move um, that's the biggest things that we noticed. You know, there'd be a lot of times when you're, you know, looking for cleaning supplies, your broom or something would disappear and show up in the oddest place. Right. So there was a lot of little things like that happening while we were trying to get this place up and running. Um, but it wasn't until I would say, um, after a couple months, it, it did kind of slow down a little bit. Uh, because you got to remember, this place again sat abandoned for two and a half years, right, right. so there was nobody coming down here. In fact, when we first mm -hmm. came down here, when they were given, you know, the owners of the building were giving us a tour, like, okay, you know, you guys want to use this space? We came down and checked it out. This, this place actually had a little bit of flooding problems. Mm -hmm. There were huge <laughs> puddles of water all over the place. It that sometimes we had to take care of. still does. Shit geysers. It's the ghost of shit past. If you don't know what we're talking about listen to episode one <laughs> um that's so crazy so you feel like there's probably a lot more activity then because it was left vacant for so long and then all of a sudden people come in start disturbing what's going on right and it maybe doesn't like what's going on or is just i, I think it was be... more of it wants you to know that they're here yeah. right i think that's what it was, to be it was being, yeah to be acknowledged and i think that's what why the atmosphere has changed so much is because we are very welcoming to them. They, mm -hmm. They've become the celebrities yeah. of this place, and I think they like that attention. Well, because that's something I get asked by people a lot. Like, aren't you worried? Aren't you worried about something following you home? Aren't you worried about, you know, one of these spirits getting overly aggressive? And other than our Mr. Hansy friend in the back, uh, <laughs> who uh, <clears throat> enjoys to sometimes feel up the ladies, and I've had them grab me on the tour before. Really? Yeah. I was standing in uh, one of the corners in the underground, and I was talking about him, too. And he... He, he wanted to say hi. He wanted to say hi. It was like I was bear-hugged from behind. And right. I was this exactly? Uh, in the back underground, where there's a little uh, kind of rounded corner oh. that's right... Uh, if, if you were up above on the sidewalk, it would be where we cross our, the street. Mm -hmm. But in the underground, it's right at that, that corner there. And so I had my back to a wall. And so there's no one behind me. And there's probably a good six-foot buffer between me and anybody else. And the people have flashlights. Like, the, even though it's dark, it's not so dark, you can't see what's happening. Right. And I was in the middle of talking about him specifically. And it was just, like, two arms coming from behind and 
bear hugging me. And not much makes me jolt, but I actually did have a, a reaction to it. And I, you know, that moment where you whirl around to see like who crept behind me, who's doing this, and there's no one there. Oh my God. And uh, nobody else experienced anything that specific day down there, at least not that they shared. But uh, he, he, he does get a little grabby, but, but going to what we were saying, um, they're getting so much attention. We're telling their stories and that has to be, I mean, pleasing if nothing else. I feel like if they, if they really didn't like it, they'd let us know. But, uh, I've never once been worried about something following me home. And I've never once really been worried about any of the spirits back here. Like even Mr. Hansy, you know, it's annoying to suddenly feel yourself get grabbed, but it's, it's not dangerous. It's mm-hmm. just like they're getting a little too frisky and you have to be like, all right, <laughs> watch the hands, my friend, watch the hands. Uh, but I've never felt truly threatened by a spirit here uh, in any of the encounters I've ever had. Would you say that's the same for you? Have you ever oh, yeah. felt? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, and I think it's a situation where, again, in most cases when you're dealing with paranormal activity, they are just trying to let you know that they're there. Yeah. And in most cases, people are too afraid to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fear comes in. And people will get you know, frightened. They don't want it around. They think it's out to hurt them. And it's like, no. A lot of times, it's just, you know, hey, I'm here. Yeah. I just want some acknowledgement. Maybe yeah. there's a reason why they're there. Maybe they're trying to tell you. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But I think in this situation, <clears throat> this is their home. They've been here long before we okay. were here. And... Um, I guess we've now gotten to the point where we enjoy sharing the environment with them, mm-hmm. you know? I think sometimes they can they can be a little cheeky and mischievous. I think about, I'd gone in to investigate a friend's home uh, near here, and, and the spirit had a tendency to hide her keys. And it it was fine until one day she, she'd had a really bad day, and she'd come home and put it on the counter, and she was going about her business, and she had to leave again pretty quickly, and she goes back to the counter, her keys are gone. And she even, she said out loud, not today. And lo and behold, she left the room, came back, and they were right back there on the counter. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can, you, you, there's personalities, there's, there's those relationships you kind of build where um, they, Again, they're 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 not trying to be harmful. They just they want contact. They want acknowledgement. They want uh, maybe sometimes with like the little girl. They want to play or they want someone to be attention. Attention. Yeah, yeah. we talked about that last time when we were talking about Merchants Cafe. Mm-hmm. The attention whores. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like some good attention, right? <laughs> but at the same time, I think too. You don't always find people like us. And there may be like spirits or entities that are trying to get people's attention often and are not acknowledged. Yeah. And so I think that's also probably part of it. And the fact that there is not just a welcoming environment, but the people that are alive Mm -hmm. that are here are very welcoming and open to that vibe. And that's why it feels more like homey almost Mm -hmm. and not as like threatening yeah Mm -hmm. right so having said that that's really awesome information um (laughs) so you started doing tours here yep started uh bringing the tours in um and and i think that's where um people started having their experiences as well because now we've granted them access to a pretty haunted place yeah 
And so tour guides, as you heard, you know, with Kim, their personal experiences, a lot of tour guides will have experiences as well. Um, the little girl is, is very active. You know, she, every once in a while, she'll still move the chair around. We find that she'll move it around when there's a lot of kids on the tour. Yeah. So when there's other people that she can play with, mm -hmm. then she'll get a little more active. Um, she'll actually play around with the doll. The doll yeah. is actually known to just start playing music out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Does it have batteries in it? No. No, it's wind up. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, good old. And, and it's like, you really do have to pick it up to wind it up. Like it's the, where the key is in relation to how the doll sits in the chair, you'd have to do some pretty fancy maneuvering to, to try to wind it up while it's still in the chair. And Ross has a, this little green, well, kind of a big green marble that sits on it. So, you know, if somebody has come and picked it up. So the marble will drop. The marble will exactly. drop. Yeah. yeah. And it'll roll. Um, because I had it happen, this was, I guess, last year now, maybe, uh, after one of the 8.30 tours, and it was about 10.15 at night, and I was answering a couple questions in the lobby. There was maybe six people left, and we all heard at the same time the doll playing. And it's the first time I've been here to hear it live. And everyone, we all raced in the Deaf Museum. There's no one in there. The chain is still up. There is a chain that, that blocks access to where the doll is kept. Doll has not been moved. Marble's there. Everything is intact. And she played a little longer and then stopped. And that day there had been a private tour of middle schoolers through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wild. So, yeah. Well, I think, you know, what's really interesting, and just to back up a little bit when we get to, to this little girl, um, back to before we actually moved into this location when we still had access to it through the restaurant I was actually contacted by local media um, a news channel wanted to come out and uh, follow us as we did an investigation in all these various underground sections and it was a fun night you know we got to do the Seattle Underground you know we did this place and a few other places and the guy with the news crew you know he's like hey you know this is really great um, do you mind if we do like a quick 10 minute interview with, with you before we wrap up for the night? And I was like, you know, sure, let, let, let's, let's do it. Now, by the time we're wrapping up, and this is about four o'clock in the morning, now this guy, you know, wants to do this, you know, quick interview. So we, we set up in the underground portion here, you know, for the interview. And it, it's funny because I, he would ask me a question and I, I'd start to give him my answer. And then the, the guy with the audio equipment is like, no, wait, wait, no, no, stop, stop, hold up, hold up, hold up. And then he'd listen for a little bit. And then he'd say, okay, go. And so he'd ask me the same question again. So we kept going through this for a good, I'd say, 10 minutes, where they kept asking me the same question over and over and over again. And I was kind of getting a little annoyed. I'm thinking, you know, what, are they not happy with my answer? What, they want me to make up stuff? What's going on here? Okay. And so... I can see that they were struggling with something, so I, I finally asked them, I said, hey guys, you know, it's kind of getting late, <laughs> you know, I'd like to go home and go to bed, you know, is there anything we can do to kind of, you know, get through this, you know, process a little quicker? And the, the guy with the audio equipment, you know, he pulls off his headphones and he says, you know, I'm so sorry, Ross. He's like, every time you start to talk, we keep getting all these interruptions, we're not sure what's causing that. And I started to think, I was like, oh. These guys are using professional audio equipment. They can hear everything. Right, yeah, there's there's this three second delay. So this guy is hearing what's being recorded just to make sure that they have the best audio before they go back to the studio. And so I realized 
dude, you're probably picking up EVPs as they're happening. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's all freaked out about this, you know, because this is the first time he's ever experienced anything like this. Next day, you know, just to, to prove, you know, this is what, you know, he experienced and stuff, he sends me like, you know, six or seven different clips and he wants me to analyze them to see what's going on. And there's all this, you know, weird stuff happening, weird noises and stuff. And in, in one of these clips, you can clearly hear what sounds like children laughing and giggling and then they start to sing mm-hmm. wow yeah. and if you'd like to hear that audio clip that EVP you can come and take the tour that's and a great <laughs> and you'll hear it <laughs> no and it is great it is just fascinating when you, you you can hear me talking as I'm trying yeah. to answer their questions it's trippy it really is and, and all of a sudden you, you just hear like there's like kids hanging around and there's no kids there. This is four o'clock in the morning in that underground section. That's crazy. And even yeah. if you're back in the underground, because I, when I was sharing the clip on the tour earlier, I made note of it with my my tour. Like, it's you know, seven fifteen on a on a Wednesday. It's not like the street is quiet at this point in the day. But down in the underground, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And so at four a.m., it's even more quiet. There is not noise happening. Right. And so to hear it, it's it's so it's so crazy because there's no noise happening at that time of the evening. Right, yeah. and, and it's funny too because when I, after I captured that EVP, I started to do some research. I'm like, you know, why are we getting kids, you know, singing in the underground? I was just gonna ask you why kids, yeah. and why, if it's kids, that's more than one little girl. So was there a school year? No. Here's the thing. Before the um, underground tours took over the underground sections, um, many of the locals allowed their kids to play in the underground sections, especially if it was raining in the city. They could go down and play in these, you know, little tunnels throughout the city. It's like the creepiest thing for kids uh, to do oh, ever. Oh, come on. Weren't you one of those kids that just <laughs> loved to explore yeah. abandoned yeah, places? Those kids. Yeah, yeah I, I guess kids. I, I guess so, yeah. But I feel like we're special people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's great. That's, that's really, that's cool. But also, wow. Yeah. So when, awesome. once I figured that out, I was just like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's residual? I think so. I yeah. think so. It's just residual. Those kids having a good time playing down there. Mm-hmm. But then the little girl, that's not residual. No. You know? That's got to be so sad for her to like hear little kids playing and she can't play with them. Which also comes back to how she's most active if we've had. Right. Kids. Groups of children on yeah. the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels more confident to try to reach out then. Yeah. Uh, but it does. It does. Make, it's like I want to introduce her to the two little kids at Merchants and be like, "Can we start like a afterlife play group or something for you guys? Can you do play dates? <laughs> Is that play dates? Can we make a, a little playground, play y'all? A little playground for children playground? for dead children. I think there's there's something there. We should look into that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be a section of our board game that we make. Yes. I'm into this. TBD. There may be a Spook in Seattle board game. <laughs> Never know. Never know. With shit geysers and <laughs> flaccid water. Flaccid water. <laughs> and the ghost playground. The ghost playground. I totally. Think, I think we've got something. Yeah. Here. It's really, really. I'm, I'm excited for this. Is it like Monopoly? <laughs> yes. And it'll just be like skulls. Yeah. Like different colored skulls. Totally. I mean, never know. Okay. But anyway, uh, what other 
like as far as history of this particular location, do you know anything else of like what it used to be before a like abandoned space or before a restaurant or whatever else used to be here? Oh yeah, there, it's funny because um, here's another really interesting thing. Um, I started the first death museum here in the Northwest in this location. And as we started to, to go back and collect, you know, old photos and try to get, you know, some more information about what you know, used to be on this property, we came across a photo of First and Cherry right here on the corner. And uh, before the Great Seattle Fire, when there were still a lot of wood structures around here. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, what actually was in the location of our death museum was uh, Undertaker. So that was interesting that I didn't know that, that this yeah. used to be a funeral home, you know, and right there. It's it's just destined to be death. <laughs> it's destined, destined to, to be have spooky. Death. Yeah. Yes. Huh. So that was kind of shocking. That opens up that. a whole other perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So we know before the Great Seattle Fire, there was an undertaker on this property. And then, you know, after the fire had gone through, uh, when they rebuilt the city, it had gone through a lot of changes. Um, mostly, um, it used to be a restaurant, uh, used to be a speakeasy, uh, a dime a dance used to be down here. Uh, but it was also very well known for its shadier businesses, too. There was an article written up that talked about how the, the ladies of the night... Um, Prostitutes, the seamstresses. Yeah. seamstresses, the Seattle seamstresses. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes right now. <laughs> seamstresses. Yes. Um, so there was an article that talked about some of that activity taking place in this section as well. Well, and we also had uh, it was one of the first gay community centers. Yep. It was. Was, was here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. When? It's the. 60s, 60s, I believe. Because Pioneer yeah. Square it was actually where the gay community yeah. started out, was right in the Sorry, Capitol was, Hill. Yeah. So there was a lot of gay bars around this mm -hmm. area. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. The first uh, gay pride parade was in mm -hmm. this area as well. Coming up. But then... And the only um, place that they allowed same-sex dancing mm -hmm. was down here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing, too, is um, before the restaurant had moved in, this used to be a theater. Mm -hmm known as the Skid Road Show. So that was <laughs> We also going talked on. about Skid Road last episode. We yeah. did. Yeah. So there was a theater known as the Skid Road Show. It took place down here. It sat abandoned for a while. It was used as storage. Mm -hmm. And then Luigi came in and he started his Italian uh, restaurant in this location. With and his then... face on the door. <laughs> <laughs> Very vibrantly. Because yes. that's, I have people sometimes on the tour who will ask about like, didn't this used to be a restaurant? And wasn't it a guy's face? And I'm like, yep. oh, it was. Yes. It was. Yes. yes. It's no, hard it's, to miss. His face is no longer there. <laughs> no. But his face is still in Pioneer Square. You'll mm -hmm. see it across the street now at one of his other restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the same restaurant that used to sit on the corner of where the coffee shop is right now yes yeah 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 yeah. that's so funny i've definitely eaten there before when it was i think not here but above, above. it was above yeah, yeah. it was above he yeah. had the restaurant like right down here he had the restaurant upstairs and then he had a restaurant down the street yeah yeah i think we went there he used to call it little italy was his little thing <laughs> yeah that's cute that's that's really nuts though that's very cool mm -hmm. i feel like there's so much like with all of those people coming through, there's so many different energies that could be residual. But I also feel like with an undertaker here, mm. there's gotta be like, maybe some of the hauntings are from something having to do with that. 
But as far as like experiences that have been had here, I wanted to pick your brains, figuratively speaking. <laughs> um, so tell me about some things other than like the girl moving the chair or being grabbed from behind. <laughs> I mean, those are pretty legit. Yeah. But I, I know where we're sitting currently uh-huh. in the refrigerator. It's it's large. It's not like a regular refrigerator, guys. It's we're like not on rest- top of each other. Oh, it's like a restaurant. Of refrigerator, it's funny. Luigi told me an interesting story. We got something going on? I was saying it's a walk-in refrigerator. Oh, walk-in. Oh. Oh. We yeah. all got so excited thinking that Terrence heard someone walking and he's trying to tell us it's a walk-in refrigerator. <laughs> this is, we're very on, like, investigative mode right now. <laughs> Whole doors opening and stuff I mean, like that. This is a podcast about, like, investigations and things <laughs> that we experience as people that are all involved well, in a group. Who but, knows? Maybe we'll pick up an EVP during this recording. We very well um, may. Um, and you know, so, so anyway, let's talk about the, the refrigerator here. Um, Luigi told me a story right after he had moved out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, he came back and was, you know, still trying to collect some of the stuff he left behind. Sure. And so he told me that the night that he was moving out and packing up the last bit of the stuff, um, he walked up to the refrigerator. And was just kind of looking around, you know, getting ready to say, you know, his goodbyes to the building. And right when he did that, the refrigerator broke down. Oh, like it just turned it off? It just made, yeah, it just made this loud, and then stopped. Oh, that's odd. That is. <laughs> he said right as he was getting ready to say goodbye. It's huh. like the refrigerator, the building itself, was saying goodbye to him. Huh. And it just stopped. Interesting. Yeah. How would you debunk that? I mean, you can't really... Chance, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, like, just a weird coincidence, but that is... That's a weird coincidence. That the timing would line up right like that. Exactly. That, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. This concludes part one of Interview with the Ghosts, I mean, business owners, of Spooked in Seattle. This episode, we were honored to have Ross Allison, the Pacific Northwest's longest actively functioning paranormal investigator, creator of Advanced Ghost Hunters of Seattle Tacoma, and co-business owner of Spooked in Seattle Museum and Tours. Stay tuned for part two as we introduce Mark Simpson to the mix as he is Ross's business partner and co-owner of Spooked in Seattle. As a skeptic and firm believer of debunking all things that would anyone would really consider paranormal, Mark joins us to share his inexplicable experiences in this Seattle underground. Thank you to Ross and Mark for hosting our recording at Spooked in Seattle. Sidebar. If you hear any EVPs, please let us know. Definitely haunted environment. And thank you to Sir Terrence Bonzi for being our producer extraordinaire and for our music. For more information on our group, A Ghost, visit aghost.org. For more information on the location of Spooked in Seattle and the tours offered, visit spookedinseattle.squarespace.com. And please follow us on Instagram at a ghost stories that is spelled a g h o s t s t o r i e s and say hi 
If you have any paranormal stories of your own that you would like us to share on a future episode, please email us at a ghost stories podcast at gmail.com spelled the same way as the Instagram, but with a podcast at the end. And please subscribe and or follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're easily accessible on Spotify as well as on Transistor at a ghost stories podcast dot transistor dot FM. Thank you for listening and uh, stay spooky.